Hey there, I'm Charlie Conlon, creator of Knowing My Nightmares. Thanks for supporting the podcast. I hope my nightmares are giving you nightmares. If you are having nightmares, I want to hear them. I'm encouraging everyone to send me your dreams. Email me your terrifying dream dramas at knowingmynightmares at gmail.com, and it could be featured in upcoming episodes. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to tell you about a great podcast. Do you miss old TV shows you watched as a kid? There's a podcast out now dedicated to writing and performing new fake episodes of those shows for you. Let's Write an Episode, hosted by Tommy Oler, brings together writers and actors to create parody episodes of those shows. First, you'll get to hear an audio drama style performance, and in the next installment, you get to listen to Tommy and his team come up with the previous episode's story. Subscribe to Let's Write an Episode today and listen to new fake episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, Boy Meets World, Reba, Miami Vice, and more. Definitely check out that podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. I think it's fair to say that we'd do anything for the ones dearest to us. We help them while they're down, support them in their decisions, help guide them and allow them to guide us. Even in our dreams, we find ourselves trying to protect our loved ones, especially if it's from monsters in the dream world, like dragons, burglars or spirits. Because even though they are just a projection of our subconscious, they're still trapped in the dream or nightmare with us. Our subconscious has a funny way of telling us when someone is feeling down. Though they may seem happy and healthy, without even knowing, our mind picks up on small clues that something is amiss. The subconscious translates these clues, then breaks it down into messages shown to us in our dreams. However, the mind can be unpredictable and these messages can project images of these people in our lives looking sad, lost, or suffering in unspeakable ways projected by our own mind. Maybe these intense visions are what causes us to act and reach out. If you pay attention to these images and the context in which they are presented, they can sometimes predict a person's state of mind. Maybe the person is leaving in the dream, then they actually leave in your waking life or they are unhappy in the dream and are actually depressed in real life. It's true your subconscious gives you messages regarding things about yourself, but more often than not, your subconscious is sending you messages about people in your life, and it's up to you to pay attention. I'm Charlie Conlon, and this is the nightmare I had last night. When I awoke inside my nightmare, I was standing in the middle of a large field. Mist drifted above the verdant grass, the silhouette of a forest surrounding each direction, 
The dim light of the sun was on the horizon, translucent through the gloom of the clouds. It was dusk. Next to me was a large willow tree, its branches reaching down to the ground like giant spider's legs. I had no shoes on, my feet were caked in mud, and my pants were torn. I wasn't sure how I came to be in this field. I was exhausted, shivering from the cold, and feeling very claustrophobic, even though I was standing outside. Each direction looked the same. How did I get here? After walking through the field, I reached the edge of the forest. The mist was thicker here. The forest had no sound, no animals or wind. Nothing. The calm brought on an uncertainty of what lies ahead. The sun continued to set, and the light of the day faded quickly as I entered the forest. The forest was fresh and vibrant. Even though I was lost, it was somewhat peaceful. If I head in one direction, I might find a trail or a road. I'm uncertain how I got here to begin with. But town can't be far. I came to a small glade with a pond in the center. The water was smooth, resembling glass. A scream in the distance, cold and haunting. It made me shudder. I lingered for a moment. Someone is in the woods with me, or something. The haunting feeling in my gut caused me panic. I rushed through the woods. The sun had almost completely set. It was hard to gauge where I was. The pressure in the air was heavy. Then, the temperature began to drop. Before I knew it, night set in. It was dark and I was lost, with an impending storm inbound. That terrifying scream again. What is that? The wind picked up, flipping the leaves over to their backside. I pushed through the forest, cracking branches and struggling through the thick bushes, cutting my feet with each step. It began to rain, and thunder was in the distance. In an attempt to warm my body, I crossed my arms over my chest. The wind was freezing. Just when I thought I would never find a way out, and I'd be trapped in these woods left to freeze to death, I saw a light between the trees. I stumbled through the woods towards the light and exited onto a street. I recognized that I was in the woods not far from my house. It started to rain harder, so I shoveled home, barefoot and freezing. I arrived home to a still house. It was late and I was tired. I went to the bathroom at the end of the hallway upstairs and ran a bath to wash the mud from the deep cuts in my legs and feet. After my bath, I retired to my bedroom. The room had a window directly ahead of the door upon entering. My bed sat left to the window. I hit the mattress hard, letting the ache in my body melt away. As I drifted off to sleep, a gust of wind rushed against the house. The trees rocked and the leaves swirled. I tucked myself tighter under the blankets. Even though it was safe in my room, it felt safer under the covers. I sat up in bed and looked towards another smaller window that leads out onto the roof. Something must have hit the side of the house. I stared for a while through the small window from across the room. The trees swayed back and forth from the wind. Rain pelted the glass. I laid my head down and closed my eyes. 
Again, another boom against my wall. This time, I sat up out of bed and hurried to the small window. The wind was strong, kicking over trash cans on the street and ripping small branches from the trees. Still, there was no sign of what hit the wall. Just then, something flew past my window and around the house. It looked like a garbage bag or dark sheets. I ran to the other window and peered out to see what it was. Though, there was no sign of it. The wind must have carried it away. Once again, I laid back down onto my bed and rested my eyes. The wind was still howling, but I was determined to rest. There was a different sound. A tapping. What is that? I looked around the room. There's a square skylight above my bed. The sound was coming from there. I focused my vision through the dark, but couldn't see what was causing that sound. I grabbed my flashlight off my desk and flicked it on, then quickly shone the light at the window. It was just a tree branch, tapping against the glass. But it looks like something else is caught in the tree. I fixated past the branches. Something's... The phone scared the shit out of me and I dropped my light to the floor. Hello? Hey, it's me. Oh, hey. Are you okay? Yeah, sorry. I was just seeing shadows. How's your trip? Good. I just wanted to call and say hey. I'll be home in two days. Oh, great. You sure you're okay? Yeah, I've had a strange night. I just need some sleep. Well, don't go chasing shadows. I won't. Okay, I'll see you in two days. Okay, I love you. I love you too. My wife Liz, calling just when I needed to hear her voice, even if I didn't realize it. Don't go chasing shadows. Hmm. I laid on the bed and ignored any sounds generated by the night and drifted off to sleep. The next day I woke very early. It was freezing. Somehow my window was wide open and cold air blew into my bedroom. I shut the window. It was barely dawn outside, and by the looks of it the storm swept through the area pretty badly. I looked up to the skylight, now able to see clearly. However, there was nothing unusual outside the window except for the tree hanging over top the house. I went downstairs to the kitchen to boil some water for tea. What happened yesterday? How did I end up in that field? I haven't slept walked since my childhood. I don't even remember falling asleep. I couldn't stop thinking about the forest. Something or someone was in there with me. Maybe that had something to do with my sleepwalking. I felt compelled to go back, investigate now that it's day. Out my kitchen window, I looked into the backyard. In the back of the garden, there was a woman sitting on the ground next to the pond looking at the small fish. She was wearing a green dress and had fair skin and bright red hair. And she was barefoot. I approached the young woman. She was looking down into the water. Her hair covered her face, but I could hear that she was crying. Excuse me, are you okay? She didn't react to my presence. She just continued crying. I stepped closer and felt uneasy, fearful. Where did she come from? Are you hurt? She stopped crying. I realized blood was dripping into the pond. She stood up and turned toward me. Her eyes were red. No. Hollow. She had no eyes, just flesh sockets in her face. Tears of blood poured out from them. Her expression looked a pure fear. She walked past me. I stood in my place like a stump, unable to comprehend the situation. 
I watched as she gracefully stepped through the rose garden, then simply vanished. My eyes fixated where she stood before disappearing, as if she would soon reappear. My mind was racing, awestruck from what I witnessed. First sleepwalking, now this? What is happening? That night, I was very uneasy. I wish Liz was home. Every creak and crack felt like someone was sneaking up on me. Don't go chasing shadows, I kept reminding myself. I was watching out the small window in my room, slowly dozing off to sleep, when something dark flew past the window. There, again, something is definitely out there. I ran over to the window and peered out into the night, looking around for any sign of movement. Don't go chasing shadows, I repeated to myself. But again, something clearly flew past the window and rounded the corner. I ran to the larger window and looked out, but there was no sign of anything. Then, just like yesterday, there was a tapping at the skylight. But it's not storming outside. I grabbed my flashlight, flicked it on, and shined it toward the skylight. What I saw next wasn't the branch tapping on the glass, but something much more horrific. It was an old woman staring through the window, slowly tapping her finger against the glass. Her eyes, like the girl in the garden, were gone and rotted. Blood dripped from her face onto the window. Her mouth was slack-jaw, and her expression was of terror. I stood frozen, pointing my light at the old hag. She slowly floated away from the skylight. The large window burst open. Floating parallel to my second floor bedroom window, the old witch stared directly at me, even though she had no eyes. Her agape mouth dripping black slime. The garb she wore was made of rotten cloth and torn rags. Her silver hair floated in every direction like it was submerged in water. Her flesh flaked off its bones, dropping to the ground. I stood at the window, icy air cutting my skin. I was too scared to look away. The specter's mouth opened wider and wider, then cracked open past her neck. I could see every single one of her crumbling teeth and her huge, disgusting tongue. She began to whimper, quiet at first. Then it got louder, until she let out the most blood-curdling scream I'd ever heard. piercing straight into my soul. Suddenly, all at once, she stopped screaming and vanished into a plume of black smoke. I remained at the window, unaware of the cold throughout my body, the scream still ringing in my head, the same scream from the forest. I didn't fall asleep for the rest of the night. Liz arrived home that morning. She immediately knew something was wrong. I explained to her what happened with the girl in the garden and the hag at my window. She believed me as much as she could, but looked worried more than anything, though she still comforted me. We relaxed the rest of the day. Maybe I was just imagining it all. That night, I awoke from my sleep on the bathroom floor. The bath was overflowing, everything was soaked. I turned off the water and I was drenched. I must have slept walked again. Strange this keeps happening. Why was I running a bath? God, there's water everywhere. I threw down towels to soak up the water. It's amazing Liz slept through all this. She must be tired from her trip. I opened the bathroom door and stepped out into the hallway. Abruptly, I was hit with an unsettling but familiar feeling. At the end of the hall, I could hear someone walking up the stairs. Whoever it was, they were crying. 
From around the corner, the woman in the green dress walked across the hallway. She looked at me, still bleeding from the eyes and barefoot. She stepped into my bedroom, where Liz slept. I ran down the hall and into my room. The woman was no longer the fair-skinned phantom in the green dress. She was the rotting old hag, now floating above Liz, reaching down and strangling her neck. Liz just laid there, fast asleep, as if nothing was wrong. I tried to yell out, but only silent air came from my throat. Then, like before, the witch elongated her jaw and let out a wail, and vanished into a cloud of black smoke. Liz just laid there asleep. She didn't hear the scream. It was as if nothing had happened. Am I losing my mind? The next morning, I didn't tell her what happened. But I wore my fear on the outside. She knew something was bothering me. Why don't we go for a walk? It might make you feel better. I don't know. I'm not feeling well. We can go to the woods. I'll be with you. We can get some fresh air maybe put your mind at ease. <sighs> yeah, maybe you're right. The sun gleamed off the leaves, creating a green shine throughout the forest. It was beautiful. Liz and I walked quietly along the dirt trail, admiring the nature all around us. Though, I still felt paranoid, like something was about to drop on my head, or we were being followed. Are you feeling better? No, not really. Sorry. Well, we can go home if you'd like. No, I'm fine. None of the forest looked familiar in the broad daylight. But it seemed silly that I was lost here only a few days ago. Hey, look! Liz hopped over to the side of the trail where there was a tiny toad. How did you spot that? It's so small. He's so cute! While Liz was invested in the tiny toad, I got the same uneasy feeling I had last night when the woman came up the stairs. It's the same feeling you get when you're falling. I looked around, up and down the trail, and through the forest. I saw her, far off in the forest between the trees. The woman in the green dress. Let's see if we can find more. Liz and I continued walking the trail. I concentrated on the red-haired woman in the distance as we were walking. She walked parallel to us, staring intensely. Without realizing, I was walking towards her, unbeknownst to Liz as she was advancing up the dirt path. I was entranced, being called like a sailor to a siren song. The woman in the green dress was running ahead of me, almost playfully. I continued to follow her for a while, and without noticing, I'd lost my way. And Liz. The ground was becoming more sloppy and rocky at the same time. The beautiful forest I was in slowly turned into a disgusting bog. The woman still in front of me, just out of reach. Then she disappeared like before. I regained control of myself and analyzed my surroundings. I had no idea where I was, or where Liz was. I panicked and tried to figure out a way to go. I trudged through the muck and tall grass until I found a large, dead, hollow tree. The area around the tree was flat and very dry. It was frightening. Nothing grew around it. I stepped up to the dry timber of the departed oak. Could this be where the woman went? There was a huge hole in the front, almost like a door. I slowly got closer and closer and stuck my head in to look. It was a normal tree, though so dead animals didn't claim it as their home. I turned back to leave and the old haggard woman was standing directly in front of me, her mouth dislocated and drooling, her flesh dropped off her bones, her hair floating all around. She reached forward with her skeletal arms and grasped my neck with her razor fingers. Fear took the breath from my body. 
She let out a wail that made me temporarily deaf, then released my neck and vanished before I could see her again. Black, putrid smoke drifted around me. I couldn't hear anything, and my body was weak. I sat on the ground for a moment when I began to hear a faint noise. Charlie! It was someone calling out my name. With each passing moment, it became louder Charlie! and louder. Until I realized it was Liz calling out to Charlie! me. I was lost, so I ran towards the voice. Each time Charlie! Liz called out, I adjusted the direction I was heading. She must be worried I ran off and left her. When suddenly Liz yelled out again. Help me! Help me? She's in trouble. Charlie, I hurried, help! almost tripping through the bush. I came to an opening, the same clearing I'd discovered days ago with the pond in the middle. Liz was in the center of it, struggling to stay above water. She was drowning. The pond was much larger than I remembered, and much deeper than I realized. Hold on, I'm coming! I jumped into the pond and swam to her, but she sank under the water. I dove down, but the water was murky and it was hard to see. I felt around but couldn't find her. I resurfaced for air, and on the edge of the pond was the hag, floating off the ground watching as I searched for Liz, the flesh of her mouth barely holding together. I dove back down, desperately looking for her. When finally I felt her hand, I gripped it hard and pulled her up, and swam to shore. I could see the old witch floating around in the woods, taunting me. Liz was unconscious. I started to resuscitate her. Wake up! Come on, wake up! She still wasn't breathing. I tried everything I could, crying, panicking, and frightened. I tried and tried, the hag still just beyond the tree line, watching. Liz, hang in there! The haggard woman was becoming more and more excited, edging nearer to us. It sounded like she was enjoying this. Her haunting face attempted some sort of smile, but just slopped bile to the forest floor. Liz was cold and still unconscious. Liz, come on! In between each breath I forced into her lungs, I helplessly pushed on her chest. Then. I felt something close to me. I glanced back and could see the rotting feet of the old woman. The hag was behind me. I could hear her breathing. Her shadow towered over us. She reeked of blood and burnt rubber. She inched closer to Liz on the ground. I stopped, afraid to move. The woman reached down to Liz, almost touching her, then exploded into black smoke. Shaking with adrenaline, I stared at Liz laying on the ground. Then. Liz gasped for air and opened her eyes. She looked at me and asked, What happened? Then I woke up. Monsters we hear of in folklore tales of terror sometimes scare us to our core, remaining with us throughout our lives, making it difficult to be home alone in the dark. Throughout history, our ancestors believe in many different forms of spirits, demons, cryptids, gods, and fairies, each culture contributing their own take on creatures that roam each region of the world. In the 8th century, the Irish believed in a type of fairy known as a banshee, or keening woman who wails in the night. A banshee is a ghostly woman who can take on many different forms depending on who's claiming to see it. Some see her as an old haggard woman in all black wearing a black veil. Other legends describe a banshee as a fair-skinned woman in a green dress with bright red hair. Different areas of Ireland and parts of Scotland describe her as a beautiful silver-haired woman, or a naked woman without a head carrying a bowl of her own blood. 
this omen will appear to a person and release a blood-curdling scream known as a cow-owen, or banshee's wail. This wail is a warning that someone within your family will soon die. It is said that each Irish family has their own banshee that haunts or protects the family. Even if you don't believe these mythical creatures exist, they can still appear in your dreams, making them very real to you. To break down my nightmare, I'll start from the beginning. At the beginning of my nightmare, I was standing next to a willow tree in a large field. The field itself was lush and healthy, indicating that I have a sense of freedom and happiness. However, the field was surrounded by a forest, shrouded in fog. This field could be a subconscious place in my life I am unwilling to leave. It's comfortable, familiar, and calm, and the surrounding fog suggests a lack of clarity of what lies ahead through the thick forest. Entering a forest in a dream can mean your soul is entering a part of your waking life that is unknown, whether it's a new job, relationship, or difficult situation. In the nightmare, I was barefoot, which normally means you are relaxed and carefree. However, traveling through a rough forest barefoot could mean that you are resisting improvement to your mind and body in your waking life, and the cuts you receive are the negative effects that come with avoiding your responsibilities. In the nightmare, I arrived home to an empty house, but this wasn't my house. It was the house I grew up in. This seems to be pretty common in a lot of my dreams. Dreaming of your childhood home can be a message from your subconscious, indicating that you are beginning to think about having a family of your own, with images of them having a good childhood as you did in that home. Although I was home alone, Liz, my wife, wasn't there. This could mean she doesn't yet feel the same way as I do. What came next was the horrific banshee and the terrifying aura surrounding her. Like I mentioned before, a banshee is a bad omen. These two banshees looked different in my dream. One was a red-haired woman in a green dress, sad and bleeding from the eyes and the other, a black-veiled banshee, haggard and horrifically deformed, visibly rotting outside my second-floor window. Looking through a window in a dream could mean that you are becoming more open-minded to your surroundings, even if they are dark and stressful. Interestingly, the banshee had no eyes, and eyes are seen as the windows to the human soul. So, this could mean I am becoming more open-minded, but still have a lot of work to do. What is even more interesting is both the banshees were missing their eyes. I believe this means they could be the same banshee, a banshee connected to my family name, Conlon, which is from Arma, Ireland, north of Dublin. Though the banshee only revealed itself to me, it seemed it was very connected to Liz. I don't believe the banshee's wail is actually a warning of Liz's impending death, but I do believe it is a message from my own subconscious warning me that something is bothering her. To see a banshee or hear a banshee's wail in a dream could mean negative energy, sadness, and despair, or more literally, a call for help. 
So seeing a banshee surrounding someone in your life could mean that you've subconsciously picked up hints and clues that something is bothering that person, and it might be a good idea to reach out and see if they're okay. The floating banshee above Liz strangling her neck could indicate that she's feeling suffocated by stress in her waking life. In the dream, I had a few cases of sleepwalking. Sleepwalking can mean that you are unrested or stressed. As a child, I sleptwalked often, sometimes even leaving the house. To dream that you are sleepwalking could mean that you are stuck within a routine, and maybe it's time to try something new. This would fall into the theme from the rest of the message from the nightmare that I need to challenge myself and move on from the norm. Alternatively, maybe the banshee played as some sort of siren, calling me away to the forest. A siren is a singing enchantress, half bird and half beautiful woman that lures sailors off course to their ultimate doom. Maybe this banshee acted more like a siren. Later in the nightmare, I was in a flooded bathroom. Being in a flooded room in a dream, especially if it's in your own house or one that you're familiar with, means that stresses from certain parts of your life are flooding over into other parts of your life. This means if you're stressed at work, that stress could be flooding over into your home life. Or if you're stressed in your personal life, it could be flooding over into your career. It might be a good idea to step back and see where you're most stressed, because each aspect of your life affects the other. When I was led away in the forest by the fair-skinned banshee, I entered into an area of the forest that was dead. This could be a metaphor for entering a dead end in my waking life, and I need to change my course. Liz called out to me and I followed her voice back to the path, and once I was out of the dead woods, I helped her and pulled her out of the water, which could be another metaphor for her feeling like she is in over her head in her waking life. It is interesting that our minds are picking up on information we ourselves aren't aware of, it's as if our subconscious is a second person watching through the windows of our eyes, reading between the lines, then breaking it down for us, encrypted, sometimes morbid messages through our dreams. I suggest not shying away from these nightmares, but you yourself read between the lines and find out what your subconscious is trying to tell you. It could help you and the others around you. This episode was written by me, Charlie Conlon, music by Joey Conlon, and sound editing by Daniel Jaworski. I hope you enjoyed this scary story. Email the podcast at knowingmynightmares at gmail.com to send me your terrifying nightmares. I want to hear them. Rate and follow the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on KMN Podcast on Twitter and Instagram for all things nightmarish. And remember, if things get too scary, you can always wake up.